podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when they still played at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show. Leave the pen, get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and I swear I ain't lying. Yeah. Leave the pen. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. This is a special episode all about Todd Hill Farm. If you remember back to episodes 206 and 207, I did a split two-part series rehashing my Pinehurst trip, culminating at Todd Hill Farm, which I told you about was probably my favorite round there. Uh, On tonight's pod, we have Robbie Wooten, the director of marketing, and to join us soon is Greg Wood, the director of operations from Todd Hill Farm. Robbie, how's everything going tonight? Dan, thanks for having me, buddy. This is uh, great to be with you. I've been a long time follow of your podcast and, and all of your social media postings. Um, so it's great to finally get to spend some time with you and and super thankful that you and your boys could come out and enjoy Todd Hill Farm over your Thanksgiving break. And uh, caught some good weather on the back end of your trip. You know, the first part of your trip, it wasn't looking so great. So glad it could, could work out and you guys had a great day. It's, uh, again, great to be with you, buddy. Yeah, I want to first off extend my thanks for the invitation there. Um, I mean, look, I, 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 I don't know what my place is in this podcast world or social media, and I, I truly don't think I deserve some of the things that I get, but it was more than generous. And I, I can't even begin to tell you the fun that we had during that round. I got so many DMs from people that were like, hey, seems like you kind of enjoyed it there a bit. And I was like, <laughs> you know. I said, look, there's, there's no BS whatsoever. Like, it is beyond fun. And we had talked off air, texting back and forth about it, um, you know, just how much fun it is to play. So we're going to get into some of that stuff, right? But, but I, I want to talk first off. Let's get a little history between you and, and Mike Strance. For those that don't know, and I don't know who doesn't know at this point in time, Todd Hill Farm is a Mike Strance design. Mike Strance called it the greatest course that he built, which is high praise from an architect that deserves such high praise. So where does your story with Mike Strand start? Well, um, you know, I was very, very blessed to, to get to know Mike, spent a lot of time with him uh, really at the peak of his, his career. You know, when he was uh, basically had finished up uh, Tobacco Road um, and met with him, you know, while he was finishing up Todd Hill Farm, uh, and then really got to spend a lot of time with him uh, and do work with him as related to the marketing of his business and helping him put his best foot forward online and and uh, and also some materials and a pitch book and such that he would send to these high profile clubs, and um, you know, got to spend a lot of time with him uh, really after the construction of Todd Hill Farm uh, up until he got really really sick, and so. Um, gosh, I met the first day I really spent time with him. It was at Bulls Bay, went down. They had, they'd invited me down after seeing the work we'd done for Tobacco Road and for Todd Hill Farm uh, and the marketing pieces and things that we were doing at the time for those two clubs. And I walked up, and Forrest Fesler, his right-hand man, is the one who invited me down. And I walked up, and it was, it was Mike and Joe Rice, the owner of Bulls Bay, and Forrest. And they were all sitting on tree stumps eating uh, peanut butter sandwiches out of brown paper bag. You know, I'm like, this is the probably the, the, the leading golf course architect in America sitting here dirty as all get out, hands are filthy, and he's eating his lunch out of a brown paper bag. And, and that's really who Mike was. He was just such a low-key, humble guy. And so many, so many folks, I think, looked at that era of, of his and his construction 
style and design style is really over the top. And they've talked about Pine Valley on steroids when it came to Tobacco Road. And, and they, they said Mike must have been on something when he built this particular place and that <laughs> particular place. And the reality was that's the furthest thing from the truth. And so, you know, I asked Mike, you know, when I when I've spent some time with him that day at Bulls Bay, I said, Mike, you got to help me understand because, you know, we're, all I see in the media is you're kind of off your rocker a little bit. So help me understand what really is behind Mike's trance. And he said, go buy the book, The Spirit of St. Andrews by Dr. Alistair McKenzie and read it and you'll you'll figure it out pretty quick. So the next day I'm at Barnes and Nobles. They had one copy. I bought it. First chapter says everything you need to know about Mike Strantz. It really does. It really highlights where his inspiration and his design capabilities and creativity came from, and what he tried to infuse into his designs. And so, if you read that, you you and you, and you're a Mike Strantz fan, you'll fully get it. And if you're not a Strantz fan, I think it'll open up your eyes a little bit more to say, huh, there's a lot more to it than us thinking that you know perhaps he was on something you know when he was designing these golf courses. And so Mike was was all about building something that you know seemed harder than it appeared. You know that he he wanted golf courses to challenge you visually. And so when I got to spend a lot of time with him and read that book, and uh, it just became crystal clear to me. And I mean, Mike and I became great friends uh, throughout the process. And obviously, very very difficult to watch him struggle and suffer there at the end. And his life cut you know drastically short by cancer. Um, was honored by his wife to to give his Hall of Fame induction speech to the North Carolina Golf Hall of Fame um, shortly thereafter, and he and or she and Forrest Fezzer were in attendance. And special special night. Wish he'd have been there, obviously, and wish I had not had to give that uh, speech that night. But special guy. Um, enjoyed a, a long relationship uh, can, even after he had passed with his wife Heidi and uh, and Forrest as he continued to try to. Uh, do a lot of course construction and, and keeping up the Maverick golf design uh, business. But, you know, obviously Forrest wasn't Mike Strantz. And so uh, they ended up doing a lot more, you know, restoration and, and, and those types of jobs around the country more so than, you know, golf course design from, from scratch. So anyway, great, great times, great memories. You know, we did the marketing for Tobacco Road for the first 17 years, um, had a wonderful relationship and a long ride with those guys, helped them to accomplish some really neat things. We did Todd Hills marketing, I think, for the first, well, after the first year, they brought us in. So we were there about four years. And then the golf course started kind of uh, struggling financially, you know, with the, the expense to, to upkeep a Mike Strands golf course. And at the time, you had like Tobacco Road, you had a love-hate relationship with Todd Hill Farm. And so if you didn't like it, you played it one time. Um, uh, but those that did like it usually were out of state, and so you'd get them once a year. So the rounds played there just were never uh, that great. I think the most they'd ever played was about 22,000 rounds. Um, and then that unfortunately continued to to dwindle over the years and got you know much, much weaker. And thus kind of brought us to the place we are today with, with the new ownership and the restoration project. Two of the things I want to touch on that you mentioned. Uh, the first off is just a visual that comes to mind. You talk about Mike and Horace sitting there on tree stumps. And if you know anything about Mike Strantz, I mean, truly a hands-on guy, not someone that visited the property once, signed his name on a plaque, and they put it in the clubhouse. I mean, you know, a shaper designer walked the course or rode the course horseback, if you will. Um, you know, to, to me, that's like the epitome of Mike Strantz design in my mind is, is him after maybe a long day of shaping you know, just coming out, sitting on tree stones, maybe around a fire or something like that, and just kind of BSing with his, 
with his buddies. And the other thing was, you know, the Pine Valley on steroids. And, you know, everyone knows Pine Valley for its, you know, visually appealing bunkers and these blasted out bunkers and, and uh, you know, carving through the, the New Jersey Pine Barren region. And, you know, it, it's funny because you talk about that visual intimidation that Strance is known for. And so this was my first Strance course that I've ever played. And I've played other courses where you have that visual intimidation, but it was like pumped up to a level 10. However, as I remarked to you and it was texting back and forth to you, I can't believe how playable Todd Hill Farm was. You know, once you get past that visual of can I cover that nose of that bunker? You know, it, it's flash face. It's blown up to the side and it looks like you can't. You get out to the fairway and you look back and you're like, oh, my God, this fairway's 80 yards wide. I had all <laughs> the room in the world, but it looked like a sliver of ribbon <laughs> from the tee box. And, and, and that, to me personally, is where Strance's genius really shines. And I'm kind of curious to get your opinion on on what you think his genius was in course design. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's a great, great description, Dan, because, you know, we talk about that a lot, even at, at, you know, Tobacco Road, you know, there's some significantly large fairways there that you don't necessarily see off the tee, and you get over there and you can land a jumbo jet in the fairway. (laughs) Todd Hills like that, probably, I mean, their fairways are probably the biggest that Mike ever created. Um, Now, I have not played New Kent up in Virginia, but I know they've got some big corridors as well, but uh, at least from what I've seen, you know, Todd Hill is... Uh, extremely forgiving off the tee. In fact, we've got footage from Strantz, um, you know, building the golf course, talking about, you know, uh, it's probably, you know, one of the most playable he, he'd ever built up to that point as well. He said, you know, here, Todd Hill, you can find your ball at least. You may not like it where you find it, he said, <laughs> but you can, you, can, you can find it. Whereas he said at Tobacco Road, you know, with all the love grass and the mounds, it's not nearly, not nearly as forgiving. And so, you know, we... Mike, the, the, the genius about that is you've got these holes that some cases may be like number four might be 90 yards wide or bigger. And um, but from the tee box, he, he just doesn't give you that look and feel necessarily off the tee. And um, and, and so, well, I take number two, especially the, the far four up over the ridge. He's got, you know, fairway tilting this way, fairway beyond that tilting this way. And the hole goes left just if it were completely flat, it'd be a boring hole. But right. visually, the way he, he just kind of shaped that fairway to have t- kind of two different um, angles, you know, looking from the tee, it just plays with your mind, right? But the fairway is, you know, it's in some case they're almost 65 yards wide. I mean, so the, to me, the genius is the ability to kind of create a little fear on your shot. But as he used to tell people, if you play it, if you look at your yardage book and you see what you got and, and play to yardages and, and play to the strengths of the golf course and the co- play through the right corridors, my, car, my golf courses are extremely playable. Usually it's when people try to do something they're not capable of or they try right. a shot they know they can't hit and then they want to blame strengths for a bad course design. <laughs> and we have that on video, him saying that very thing, you know, talking about. You know, people think they're Greg Norman. This was back when Norman was number one in the world back then. And, uh, or Tiger was, Tiger probably was getting close to that, but he used Norman as an example. And you just can't come out here and think you're Norman and, and hit shots and then blame me because you, you, you know, you're not Norman. And so I, I, lo- I just love, and I think that's what people, 
I think this younger generation, which I, it's just so fascinating to me, uh, this Instagram golf generation that are so keenly interested in, in Mike and, and his, his design and, and creativity, they're, they're not thinking about, well, this looks tricked up. They're fascinated as to why he did what he did, and they enjoy playing it that way. And so to me, compared to 20 years ago when the course opened, everybody thought it was too hardcore and too tricked up. Now people realize, I think, over time, and guys that have played enough golf courses, that it's a very, very special genius that he had. And if you play the shot that he calls you to play, you can really score on his golf courses. You know, it, it's a, that's a great point because I got so many messages from people that started off with, hey, I heard Tot Hill is gimmicky. And I can kind of maybe even slightly understand based off of pictures, but I relate to them. Like, I'm trying to think back every single shot I played, every single hole, and none of it was unfair. None of it made me do something that I was incapable of playing from the correct tees. And I'll give you an anecdote on that one, too. Uh, the group in front of us was hilarious when they saw the first tee box. Um, <laughs> but I, re- I related to people. I said, no, it's, it's, it's not gimmicky at all. And, and more so, not that it's you know, not gimmicky. I thought the flow of the entire course was phenomenal. You'd mentioned number two, how that curves off. To the left, one, I explained to people like an absolute roller coaster. We pulled up to the first tee, and I looked down there, and I just was absolutely blown away by what you know I described to people as a wave, a wave of fairway. Mm-hmm. And my one son said, Dad, I don't know where to aim. And I said, just aim at the hill, you know, out there, and hit a good shot, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr... Mr. Greg, thank you for joining us. We've got Greg Wood, Director of Operations, who's just jumped on the pod as well, and we're going to mm-hmm. get to him uh, quickly. How was your holiday party? Oh, it's fabulous. Uh, Excellent. Our, yes, thank you very much for asking. Excellent. Um, I, I, I want to finish up. I, I, I talked about um, people who were saying maybe it's gimmicky or whatnot, <laughs> and the group in front of us, when they teed off, they were playing the back tees. You know, you go behind the starters hut there where the bad guys are, and everything looks like a normal course in the beginning there. But you make that right turn, and you get to the tee box, and you look out the fairway, and it looks nothing like anything you've seen. And the guys in front of us, we heard them, they said, oh, oh, oh shit, we need to move up a tee box. <laughs> and, and I love that because there's so yep. many courses that people will just try to stretch out as far as they can. And I, I think right off the bat, it gave them this impression like, hey, you know, you need to play the correct tee box because we are not here to mess around, you know? And by playing mm-hmm. the correct tee box, uh, like you had mentioned, Robbie, before, the place becomes extremely playable and so much fun. Yes. Uh, um, Greg, I, I want to bring you into this here. Robbie talked before about how you know the new ownership went kind of above and beyond. And this is this is a restoration, right? No one wanted to touch Strance's work. No one wanted to mess with the genius of his architecture. So I was hoping you can enlighten us a little bit and give us some insight to what the new ownership did and where they see the course moving forward past 2023. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for having me. Of course. Um, we were very blessed to have... Uh, 
about 44 hours of video of the construction of the golf course and thousands of photos of the construction as well. So for us, it was really study the videos, talk to the previous owners, the previous golf course superintendent, John Atkins. He was very helpful in this. Um, Dale Golf, who did the construction for us, uh, they were very open to whatever we wanted to do in the project. And the big thing that we wanted to, the thing that we stressed throughout the project is, is that Mike Strantz, uh, you know, is one that recognized one of the greatest golf course architects of all time. So if, if Mike did it, we want to try to put it back as close as, as we possibly can. And uh, throughout the entire process, that was really our mantra. Um, we're not, you know, we're not done by any means, but we feel like we really brought the bones of the property back. And over time, we'll continue to uh, restore it back to the way Mike intended it. So I had never played it prior to, you know, post Thanksgiving. So that was my first time ever seeing it. Um, a lot of people had messaged me on Instagram and they said, man, if you could see it before and after, you'd be absolutely blown away. Um, so maybe you guys can go back and forth. I, I don't know if either of you had played prior to that. I'm assuming both being in North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, you probably had. I mean, you guys known each other forever. So I, I wonder if you can give us some insight, the listeners out there, some insight into what some of the major changes were as we, you know, moved from the original Todd Hill farm to kind of this, this new enhanced version of Todd Hill. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think the biggest thing was, was returning it back to its original uh, lines. And that really involved taking out about 1300 trees. Wow. And, uh, you know, when you watch the original videos, you realize how open that golf course was. And that was really the biggest thing. And then I, restoring the, you know, replacing the greens uh, with the new Prism Zoysia, that was really a big thing. And I think another key component was uh, making the farmhouse the clubhouse. Uh, you know, if you look at the design of the club, Mike is always pointing everything back to the farmhouse, you know, nine green, 18, as you're driving up. So once we had that established as a clubhouse, it felt like it had been the clubhouse the entire time because of the design of the course. Can I ask what the clubhouse was prior to that? They had used a temporary clubhouse, you know, some people do where they have a, a, a trailer mm -hmm. with, you know, with, you know uh, with porches and everything set up around it. And so we had that removed and, uh, but you know, the farmhouse is really neat. It, you know, that it dates back to the 1840s. Uh, I, I didn't know this prior to the project, but farmhouses, uh, if they're if the farms old enough, it's usually the farmhouse is built in stages. The middle is 1840. The front is 1905 and the back where the first shop is, is 1960. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it's, I, I feel like, you know, and, and, Robbie, this is your area of expertise, marketing, but I feel like that is is kind of uh, primed to become an iconic symbol of the course, that farmhouse. You know, every single person that saw my videos and saw the stories said to me, well, where where's the clubhouse at? I said, that's it. You know, and the, the inside, like my boys were blown away by the inside. They said, dad, this is like the coolest clubhouse. And, you know, and 
they're not spoiled, believe me. They work their butts off or stuff, but <laughs> they've seen some pretty cool clubhouses, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure you guys have too, but there's 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 a quaintness to it. There's an ambiance to it. The fireplace inside of it, I mean, e- even the tile in the men's bathroom. Like, like everything is picture perfect. It could have come out of, you know, a, a country living magazine. Yeah, yeah we, um, we, Greg and I laugh about this all the time, but our, the owner, Pat Barber, is, is very gifted in that type of work. He's done a lot of that in Charleston where he lives and uh, he and his wife, Becky. And uh, I think I think Pat was more excited about restoring the farmhouse than the golf course, wouldn't you say, Greg? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Greg, Greg would go leave for hours on the golf course and Pat would stay behind that old farmhouse. But the end result, as you said, is something very, very special. I think it's the cornerstone of the piece. As Greg said, you drive up and it's the first thing you see. Um, you know, it, it is becoming and will become, you know, one of the best hangs in all of golf. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we have zero doubt about that. The feedback we've received thus far uh, has been fantastic. But, you know, to see that uh, dead, we had dead animals in the walls when we, when we first uncovered that thing. I mean, it was just <laughs> unbelievably bad. But you start to uncover things that got us super excited through the process, like Strand stayed in that front front room when you first come in, yeah. you know, when he built the golf course. And that's where he drove the plans for Bulls Bay. And you wow. start, you know, hearing these types of stories and it just got us further motivated to like, we've got to take this, we've got to make this clubhouse extra, extra special because we feel like it's like, you know, if you, if you came into Todd Hill today and, and, and uh, walked into that modular old dilapidated clubhouse you just don't have the same feel you're like what am i getting myself into versus now i mean it eyes pop when people walk through those doors and that's what we were hoping for and i definitely think pat and of course greg and and all the folks that worked on it did an, an amazing job and yes it could be something in southern living um and probably should be uh, but you know, there's more work to be done there, and some things we're going to be doing on the exterior there. I think to make it even better hang for for guys uh, when they're finished up with play. But it is it is the cornerstone piece, and it's what people first come into. They get the feel for the day, just like Tobacco Road's unique clubhouse, right? You walk into that, you immediately have the feel and, and the vibe of of what you're about to experience. And we felt like without the farmhouse, Todd Hill might not work the way we envisioned it. So extremely crucial piece to the to the puzzle to make Todd Hill what it is today. Yeah, I kind of see it as almost like an alt logo design for the course, Mm. possibly. That might be something Mm -hmm. to work on. We'll we'll consider that, Dan. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. You know, as you say, you know, Strantz drew a bunch, as you saw probably some of the stickers. I mean, we've got so many unique icons that Mike, you know, drew and, and most courses that he, he, you know, worked on, he left some of that type of material behind and we've got some pretty neat things that we'll be incorporating as we go through the process. But yeah, the farmhouse, you know, certainly uh, can be a part of that. Yeah. I, w- I want to know if there was anything cool or, you know, super interesting to you guys. I mean, look, obviously we're all golf nerds here. <laughs> Everyone that listens to this podcast is a golf nerd in their own right. Was there anything cool or interesting that you guys kind of uncovered, whether it be through, you know, the marketing and searching through, you know, the annals of Todd Hill or through the restoration on the course that kind of stood out to you and was just like, you know, wow, I didn't know this existed here. Greg, you know, yes, there are. I'm going to let Greg speak to that just because um, Greg really um, spent so much time digging in the research and interviewing uh, past owners and members and 
and looking at a ton of footage. We looked, he and I watched hours and hours and hours of that video footage, but uh, he was out boots on the ground with that and could, you know, certainly elaborate uh, a little bit further uh, on that. Greg, why don't you take that away? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things was um, we found tees, you know, like different. We found the champ tee on 14 that we knew was part of the original design. You know, right now, from the current set of tees, is a 376 yard par four dog leg right. And he actually had a champ tee that was across from uh, 13, which is the hole prior to it, in you know, really close proximity that stretches out to a 462 yard par four. And it's just a totally different golf hole from back there. And it makes you understand why certain things are in place. I think the biggest thing I learned uh, throughout the whole process was that Mike designed golf courses forwards, but he also designed them backwards. So when you sit on the green and you look back, that's also a part of the design. And, um, for to me, that was like one of the biggest things that really hit me as we went through this this process was that Mike, it's the entire picture. You know, it's not just the fairway, the tee, the green. It's the entire picture, the entire corridor. Everything was thought out that Mike did. And it just really speaks to the genius of Mike Strantz. But but it also speaks to the challenge of of putting it back together the way he wanted it and also maintaining it so that people who come can enjoy it, you know, and see it for what it is. So every time you come, you'll see something different there. You'll, you'll, you'll pick up a different nuance of the golf course. I'm assuming it almost had to be like completing a puzzle, right? But completing hmm. a puzzle backwards, if you will. Hmm. It, it really was. I mean, it was very overgrown I and mean, it's a very, challenging golf course to take care of especially the out of play areas so you know cleaning it out looking at it uh as i said dale golf is incredible as far as like clearing the sight lines and putting everything in and doing everything in a timely fashion for us so that we could go in there and and go back to the videos and go back to the photos and quite honestly, when that failed us, we go back to the old superintendent and uh, the previous owners and talk to them as well. So you know, there's a lot of effort that went into it. And Dan, I would also add to that, like we um, uh, uncovered the, the hidden waterfall on 15, the par three. Uh, the waterfall, which, thank um, you. You know, you're coming up 14 green, you can hear that ripping behind 15 green. It's just, you know, such an experience, you know, uh, and game changer really for Todd Hill because when I came on the scene right after they had opened, they shut the waterfall off. So I never saw it running. And I did the marketing there for almost five years. Um, and we never, I never knew that thing ran. And of course, Mike was so busy. We never talked a whole lot about, you know, certain nuances of Todd Hill farm specifically. We were just kind of, when I'd get with him, we were talking about all of his projects in general and some other needs he might have, but you know, that when they got that all pieced back together and you played it and you saw it and it was running uh man what a what a great backdrop but what a great sound and a and a vibe and feel on that 15 green when you're sitting there playing it and we think that was a huge piece of the puzzle that was missing um there were you know bunkers like seven t-box uh bunkers were were, were grown over and, and filled in and 
uh, that tee that tee shot there, and I think Dan, you said that might have been one of the prettiest tee shots you you remember from the day. Hands down, uh, just totally changed the look of that hole, which was fairly boring off the tee there. Obviously, towards the end of uh, the the prior ownership before Pat took over, and so those things really, really, um, I think have have been a game changer for the golf course as well. But like Greg said, so much overgrowth that you were you know like six tee the par three. There were parts of the, the left side of the green you couldn't even have a pin placement because the tree line was o- overgrowing that beautiful creek that you know flowed from all from tee to green, hmm. and so you really didn't see you couldn't see the beauty of that golf hole. It was just so overgrown and covered up, uh, you could not see. Re- it was hard to see the bones, and so um, a lot was really uncovered and discovered. And if you haven't played at Todd Hills, totally different than. A lot of the other Mike's golf courses, it's set at the base of the Uwari Mountains, so it's very rocky, very, a lot of topography change, a lot of elevation change, um, <clears throat> you know, versus some man-made stuff that he might have had to do at the beach where it's much more flat coastal-wise and uh, just totally, totally different than anything else he created. Take me back to, to 15. I, I'm sure it's cliche for me to say that's my favorite hole. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone that plays is just like, this is the coolest or one of the coolest par threes. I've ever played, but you mentioned that the waterfall wasn't turned on. And I like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable about most things. Um, I, I'm assuming it's not a valve system. Was, was, was that Creek or sliver of water rerouted somehow? Well, the way, ahead, the, way the way it's designed is that at, at above at the very top of the waterfall, uh, close to the road, we actually have a water valve there hooked up to our irrigation system. And that releases the water into that waterfall, and then it cascades down, and it goes in front of the green. And there's actually a, a giant um, cistern or hole that captures it. It's about eight or nine feet. And at the bottom of that is a 40 horsepower pump. Okay. It pumps it all the way back up five stories back up to the original and creates like a cycle for everybody. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, I mean, visually appealing. You come off you know, the 14th green there and you step onto that tee box. I mean, it's just one of the coolest shots. And, and, and again, you know, what this course presents itself is so many different ways to play each hole. And I want to talk to you guys about that because, um, Robbie, I'd mentioned to you, I think like through text we had mentioned, I, I can only imagine how fun this place could be if it was completely dried out in the summer and, and you were running ridge line, you know, running the ball up ridge lines and watching it funnel and, Go mm-hmm. to and fro. Um, I mean, so talk a little bit of that about that, guys. Like during the restoration, was that something that was given precedence? The different seasons that you go through there. Greg, why don't you jump on that one? Yeah, I, you know, uh, Robbie and I both saw the same video where Mike is talking to the owners at, um, at, about the design of the course, and he talks about how there are multiple ways to play every hole there. And I have to be honest with you, up until watching that video, I had never considered it because I had always thought of this golf course as being a aerial golf course, lots of carry. And uh, But now, after watching the video, going through this process, this restoration, you can really start to see what Mike was talking about. And there are so many ways to play each hole. And that's the great thing about each time you come back, as I said before, you see something different whether it be a way to play the hole or something that you missed from the past. And uh, again, it really speaks to Mike's genius. Yeah, it was real, real interesting because 
when if you see and you watch my boys and I play, all three of us have completely different swings. You know, even though I created both of their swings, they're completely yeah. different, right? Part of their right. golf DNA. Completely different ball flights. Um, completely different trajectories. So if you were watching us, I mean, it looked like we each played the course, you know, completely different, and yet we all arrived kind of at that same endpoint. You know, uh, I, I'm thinking about 15 comes to mind. I hit this low runner that checks about eight feet from the hole. My youngest son hits this, you know, beautiful little fade that checks about 10 feet to the right of the hole. And my oldest son, who's the best player of all of us, tugs his a little bit. It hits up on the top of the little ridge. And he's like, oh, he's so mad at the shot. And my youngest son is going, I, I think that's going to funnel down. It's pretty severe. Sure enough, we get up there and it's sitting, you know, six feet left of the pin <laughs> on, on the other side. And it's just, right. you know, it's it's hilarious. And that's what makes the place so awesome. Um, Robbie, go ahead. You had something that you wanted to throw in there before, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, <clears throat> the great thing about, you know, Mike, especially when you think of, you know, the golf courses he has down at Myrtle with Cal, especially Caledonia, probably more so than True Blue. True Blue has a little length. Uh, but Tobacco Road and Todd Hill, you're talking about golf courses 65 to 6750, you know, yardage-wise. <clears throat> People will look at that, you know, 10 years ago and say, well, it's not 7,000. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a joke. It's not really a championship-level golf course. It's too short. Um, but Mike wanted you hit wanted you to hit every club in the bag, and and I've played his golf courses where you you've had to, you know, um, and I like playing the, his golf courses at different tees. Even though I'm a back tee player uh, in my advancing age these days, but uh, I I enjoy when we play Todd Hill up because I hit different you know clubs off tees, and it just brings in different challenges. Uh, but his golf courses are not bomb and gouge and. You know, it's 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 placement golf and, you know, point A to point B. It's like I said earlier, you know, trusting the yardage book and trusting your yardages and hitting the spots. And you're, you're going to score, you know, reasonably well on his golf courses. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of you don't need 73, 7,400 yards to, to create a challenge. And a lot of what Mike did, there are challenges on the ground, but a lot of it's just visual. You know, he wants you he wants your mind to be playing little tricks on, with you a little bit and. Uh, just to have to think a little bit more. And, you know, we just, we love that. Todd Hill's probably got as much or more of that than any of his golf courses. Imagine that great course design can minimize distance. Interesting, mm -hmm. huh? Mm hmm. Interesting <laughs> thought, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very, fr very front and center about what's going on right now. You don't need a rolled back, rolled back ball to play Todd Hill. You know? Yeah. That's terrific. Um, well, guys, now, I need to say this, but I need to, I need to jump off. Okay. Hey, yeah. Greg, thank you so much for joining us, honestly. No, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to talk about. I could talk about Todd Hill all night. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. We we just might. We just might. I, yeah. I definitely hope to meet you sometime in the future, my friend. It'll be my pleasure. All right. Take care, Greg. Take care, hey, Greg. Bye. Robbie, you had mentioned the different tee boxes. Um you know, you guys have the little man tees there, which, uh, you know, turn everything basically into a par three, uh, if you will, um, you know, and shorter on the par fives and stuff. And so I'm an enormous fan of par three courses. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, I say this and I could always backtrack this, but I truly think that I could play par three courses the rest of my life and 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 be OK with it. You know, mm -hmm. I think I could be OK taking the driver out of the bag, even though the driver is my strongest club. Right. I really think I could have fun on that. Um, 
And Greg had mentioned before that some tees were uncovered. Um, was that one of Strance's, you know, initial thoughts to give just as many options as possible? Did you have you found anything on that? Because some of the like I, I think about three, right? I think about mm-hmm. third hole, and right. I mean, good lord, between pin placements and <laughs> tee boxes, I. I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say you could have a hundred different combinations. <clears throat> that hole, especially he's, you know, there's a lot of teeing ground up there, a lot of different uh, angles into that green. Then you've got obviously an enormous green that kind of has really three big areas, the front, the middle, and that back sliver. Um, so yeah, he wanted to give, he wanted options, um, you know, from a, the standpoint of, you know, other hidden things. That was really the only tee that I think, I guess the, the owner, previous owners didn't find that a, as much of a playable hole from back there. It's much more difficult and it was hard to get back to it a little bit. And so they kind of let that tee go on 14, <clears throat> but we didn't really find anything else like that. A lot of the stuff Greg was speaking to was covered up with trees and, and tee boxes were filled with roots because the trees had just gotten so large and taken away all the grass and just, you know, dirt and roots. So uncovered all of those by taking out the trees and put all the Mike's original tee boxes back together again. But, you know, he, you know, with options, options really, you know, if you hear one thing loud and clear from Mike, it was, you know, he was an options guy and he just felt like there should be more than one way to play a golf hole. And he would say that about every one of his designs and, you know, Todd Hill, especially with how, like, if you think of 12, you and I think texted about number 12, but, you know, uh, teeing up on the hill back down to that peninsula fairway and heading yep. back over the water. You know, some guys have, you know, can maybe fly it up on that top tier, play it around the right side. Or, you know, some of your older players, you know, might not want to try to carry the water. They've got an option to play it around. If they hit in the right spot, it'll roll all the way onto the green, you know, around the far right side of that pond. So, you know, Mike, Mike was all about options. And he wanted you to think about that, not just step up and, you know, um, just just flail away and that's again i think getting back to some of the beauty and the 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 uh the mastery of his design work was he gave you plenty of ways to play golf holes and tobacco roads the same way bulls bay lots of lots of options there it's just uh, it's just beautiful beautiful to play i feel like it's one of the few courses that i've played that the architect truly cared about tee boxes and they weren't just mounds you know big enormous rectangles or or oblong circles cut in with with enormously wide t markers you know one of the things i love that i think made the place feel so intimate is these t boxes are rather small um mm-hmm. and the teeing ground is rather small and that in turn plays into the strategy in the course um i'm thinking of of hole number four so i i, I play a draw and hole number four was set up for a complete big, you know, dog leg right. Mm-hmm. And the tees that the tees that we had played, you know, I kind of fluttered back and forth between am I going to go three wood? Am I going to go driver here? Um, I ended up choosing three wood. I get out there. And again, same thing, visually deceptive. I turn around and look at the tee box. And I'm like, good Lord. Like I could have <laughs> just pounded. Like, why can I just pound driver right. type deal? You know, yep. and, and so I, I told my boys, I said, you know, the, the tee boxes really stand out and, and they're young, so they don't see mm-hmm. the course the way, you know, someone like you and I do that have been playing for years and years and years. They said, you know what, Dad, they really were 
pretty cool. Um, and, and the one that I'm thinking of that sticks out, I want to say it's is six or seven the par three? Six, yeah. Okay, so six. Those those tee boxes right behind five green. I mm-hmm. mean, are just they're otherworldly. How cool they yeah. are! Great, probably one of the best settings you know on the golf course from a, a viewpoint and looking into that green and the rock formation short with the bunker that he put in there for some some visual stimulation and um you know just an amazing tee box back there and we you know we we went back in and and reclaimed the very very back part of that tee that uh, makes that hole play almost 175 yards you know most of the time it was played just because it was so much shade back there and no dirt, no grass rather on the back of that tee, that tee, that, that hole never played more than 155 yards and really wasn't that demanding. But, from, you know, once we got that put back together and resodded and with uh, some zoysia, uh, that golf hole plays entirely different. And you got that rock staring at you down the right-hand side off the tee <laughs> from that yep. back, back corner. You know, it's just a much, much better hole. And so, yeah, you know, small. Mike was not you know, just for argument's sake to say, hey, I just we just need to build a bigger tee box. I'm going to push up a bunch of dirt over here. He was a big believer in McKenzie's thought of, I'm just going to get what the, what, the, what the terrain gives me, and I'm going to work with it. So, yeah, he's got some, you know, the big mounds at Tobacco Road. Those are all pushed up, and, you know, there's some of that in his properties, um, obviously, especially those at the beach that were really, really flat, and he had to create some movement. But Todd Hill, he didn't have to create any movement, and he just kind of went, with what uh, what the land gave him, like McKenzie talks about building Cypress Point. And if you, again, read that book, The Spirit of St. Andrews, and you play Todd Hill, you'll be like, got it. Makes yeah. perfect sense. He didn't try to do anything totally out of the character from what the land provided him there at Todd Hill. And that in that case, it's six smaller tee boxes, obviously, that we've got to really stay on top of when we, you know, in, in peak season, a lot of play. Sure. And uh, we got plenty of room to move everything back and forward, so it won't be a problem. But you know, uh, definitely not huge demanding like you'd see it, uh, you know, some of these bigger resort courses today that, you know, feel like it's almost the size of a putting green, you know. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Uh, one of the things I want to touch on, because it's honestly one of my favorite things in golf is is the merchandise that's available. Um, and so as director of marketing, do you have any say in what's ordered for the club, how they kind of go about, um, you know, creating the feel and, and, and look of Todd Hill? Yes, to answer your question, um, you know, the great thing about Strance, not only, you know, with his design creativity, he created a number of logos uh, for Todd Hill Farm. And they had used one specifically that had some very scripty lettering around the, the bull skull that was used, you know, for, for 20. In fact, let me go back. Uh, before we got involved, the original owner, uh, being a horse farm, didn't like Mike's over the top logo creativity and wanted just a shield with a horse in it you know, almost looked like a clip art horse and i came in and i saw these pencil sketches that mike drew for you know logo options for the for the golf course that uh, john atkins the former superintendent had been holding on to i'm like what are we not why are we not using these you know and immediately we talked them into it and merchandise started flying off the shelves back then well um as we as, as Pat came in and took the golf course over, you know, I, I still actually had those logo sketches from Mike, the originals here at my office. And I pulled those back out and we looked at them and talked at, at, at length about why don't we look at switching to one of these uh, newer, you know, for, for the new logo coming out the gate with a restoration, which is 
why we selected the one with the horseshoe and the bull skull kind of overlapping. And uh, it has been an enormous hit. Our challenge, Dan, has been vendors and getting product. And um, and we're just now starting to get a lot of that stuff in, but it's a little late for the holiday season, unfortunately. But, you know, we've, we've gotten so many requests on socials uh, to buy, buy, buy all this new logo product. We're excited to, to start promoting that, um, you know, the next couple of weeks. But, but that's been our biggest challenge is, um, is, is having enough inventory. When we have had inventory, it's gone very, very quickly, and it's been a challenge to get that back from some of these vendors. So uh, hopefully we're kind of out in front of it now with our buyer and uh, at the club, and, and those things will pick up and, and uh, you know, we much, much more stocked online as well as at the golf shop there. But, yeah, getting you back to your initial question, the logo was – um, you know, it's there. It's it's that branding is is so vital to Mike's golf courses. Why would we use something that he didn't create, right? So when we looked at those logos, um, a couple of them were really too busy to be something that could be embroidered, but we can roll that out in a silk screen flag or on T-shirts, which we'll do. Kind of some limited edition merch drops. So Mike's given us tons of options in that, and we're super excited about you know really launching that stuff over the winter, heading into next spring season hitting the ground running and uh, the logo and branding are everything just like this, the deer skull at tobacco road and uh, bulls base, you know, they've got a skull down there. Mike was into the skull thing, you know, during those four or five years and, uh, but they stand out, right. It's, yeah. it's you need something that's memorable uh, that people want to buy and judging, you know, on the initial runs that we've had, I think people like the logo of Mike's that we chose to, to open up the gates here after the restoration. Well, I can honestly say that my wife is very happy that you were not overstocked in the bookshop <laughs> uh, because I, without a doubt, I don't want to call it a problem. Let's call it a habit of purchasing copious amounts of mm -hmm. gifts for myself. Um, so she was she was happy. Now, that is not to say that I did not drop a lot of money in the pro shop. Uh, one of the coolest things. And my boys are finally getting to the age where, you know, they uh, appreciate kind of the maybe finer items, if you will. And and they're getting old enough where they don't need, you know, I don't need five of, of something that's cheap and gaudy. Like, I'll get one nice thing. Mm -hmm. um, so my oldest son got the, you know, the driver head cover with the the horse hair on its brand. Oh, I yeah. mean, every, every single person is just like, where did that is amazing. Where mm. did you get that? Um, right. and, and it does, it fits the ambiance, it fits the whole entire course. And that's one of the things that will stick with me most is the fact that it's all encompassing when you're there. Everything fits the theme, right? A lot of courses you go to and it's, it's your general run of the mill. Like you said, maybe mm -hmm. your calligraphy or your three letters, you know, for the, for the right. course, uh, locking letters. Yeah. 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 And I hate to say, I mean, I hate to say Instagrammable, you know, because <laughs> it's just it's like so new age and, and although what a complete hypocrite because, you know, that's where my market is. But, you know, it's one of those things that just shows so well uh, on everything. And I'm super excited to see where you go forward mm -hmm. with that stuff. Uh, and speaking of that, I, I wonder if you can give us a little insight into maybe 2024 and beyond with. Todd Hill, maybe the marketing, maybe the courses, you know, mm -hmm. where, where do we go from here? 
Well, we're super excited. I mean, that we've far exceeded our initial projections for the back half of 2023. And, you know, we are, what's so great about Todd Hill, which was, you know, so amazing how, you know, sometimes time can be harmful to you in the golf industry. In our case, it's, it's kind of worked out really, really, really well because this new Instagram golf travel nerd, like you call it earlier, you know, just you're so into architecture and the hang and the experience and it's it's about time with your buddies it's not about what i shot it's not about getting beat up on a, a tougher golf course or something that may seem to be tough it's it's just about being with your friends and so that's what we're really pushing forward into 2024 is you know todd, we want todd hill to be a club of friends we want you to come back and you feel like cheers right everybody knows your name it's 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 something that we we, we count our customers as just special special people not just a dollar coming through the door. And so you're going to hear that kind of woven throughout the fabric of what Todd Hill is and what it's going to be become, I should say, in that, you know, when you show up to Todd Hill with your friends, you're going to feel like you've been there a million times. Mm. Um, you're going to feel appreciated and loved and welcome. And, you know, we want everybody to, to have that type of experience. If you're going to come spend those dollars with us and spend a day with us, we're going to be family. And we mentioned this at the Iron Maverick event back in October. That was a huge hit. So many guys from out of state come to play and they felt that. <clears throat> and they, they, so many people mentioned that upon leaving, like we just feel at home here. And yeah. so we feel like that's going to help us a lot. We're only, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought of pulling off the interstate, going to Pinehurst or Myrtle Beach, coming down 73, 74 and playing Tidal Farm. It just seemed like, well, that's, 15 minutes off the road. I don't want to bother. We just want to get to our destination. Now, all the packagers in Pinehurst, and we're starting to build some alliances in Myrtle Beach to, to play Todd Hill on the way in or on the way home from those locations. If you're not willing to kind of, especially from Pinehurst, you're not willing to drive 45 minutes up to Todd Hill in the middle of a stay in Pinehurst. Play well, you guys, down. you guys are the destination now. You know, you've yeah. turned it into the destination. Right. And, you know, that's what we've said. It's a bucket list destination golf experience. And it's something that you're going to want to play. And, you know, we don't care when you play. You know, it may work best to play on the front end, the back end of a trip, uh, going to those two locations. Or, you know, if you're staying in Pioneers, worth the drive 45 minutes up. I know when I went to Ireland back in 2000, it, most days we drove well over an hour to get to our golf courses. And we didn't care sure. because we knew what we were about to play. Yeah. And that's what I keep preaching to the, to the guys in the shop. And, and I think all the customers are starting to say that I would drive from anywhere to play this place. And so that's what, I, you know, we're so proud of the fact that in a very short period of time, we've been able to accomplish that kind of mindset and what we're trying to deliver. So I think the future is going to be bright in that regard. I think the hang and, and hanging out behind 18, we're talking about, you know, creating something there around that barn in the 18th green, whether it's some Adirondack chairs and, and, you know, on really busy days, having a bar set up there and folks can hang out behind that green. <clears throat> you know, I don't know if we make a heckle deck out there like Sweetens has or <laughs> some of the other properties you're doing. But, you know, we, we all of that's on the table because we've got room and we've got the capability and we've got the facilities to do it. And so I think there's just so much more yet to come. And we're so excited. You know, it's kind of like, all right, which 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 we, which we do do we next? Do we do next yeah. rather? Yeah. We which piece is going to really take it further over the top that golfers are just going to want to, you know, say that they, we cannot come this close and not play this place. Yeah. I mean, not only do you have the room and the facilities, but you have the passionate people behind it 
right? Which is what mm. you know makes the engine work. And you've got kind of that that field of dreams issue now, right? If you restore mm. it, they will come, and, right. and and they're coming, and it's been phenomenal. And and you know, I can tell people firsthand all about it. You know, just go back, listen to episode two hundred seven. I mean, I I I rave about it, and I don't do that that often. Most people will say to me, "Man, you're real cynical. Like, you must hate everything." And there are a lot of things <laughs> I hate. But when I love something, you know, like mm-hmm. I am passionate about that. Um, and, and you guys are doing a, just a phenomenal job there. Um, so before we get you out of here, Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, let people know where they can, you know, book tea times, book packages, mm-hmm. find out information on the course, find the merchandise on the course even. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so you can go to, you know, tothillfarm.com, T-O-T, uh, hillfarm.com. And book tea times there. Uh, we do not book packages as of yet. We are not in that business. You know, we're focused on building the golf experience there and leaving the packaging to the experts down in Pinehurst. And uh, just about every packager down there, probably with the exception of Pinehurst Resort, because they're doing all their own stuff. Uh, you know, is booking into Tidal Farm and booking in quite heavily. And and it's it's tremendous looking at the pre-bookings for 24, and especially around the U.S. Open coming next June. Um, so definitely want to get on the books with them sooner than later. If you think you're going to be coming through the area at any time, just call us, uh, or book your tea time at the website, tadiofarm.com. Uh, there's where you'll find our online store link as well over to our Shopify store, uh, which we are getting loaded up a more, we put straight down, uh, apparel up there today. That's going to be launching tomorrow morning. So we'll have a lot more product tomorrow. And then we've got some really cool hats coming with. Uh, some of those, uh, we got the, the Strance Salamander icon. We got Strance's uh, logo that he used for his business on the side of these hats. Some really cool looks coming uh, over the next couple of weeks as well. But yeah, check with your packagers in Pinehurst uh, if you want to add Todd Hill to one of your packages or just call the golf shop or book a tea time online. And if you're coming through the area, it's 10 minutes off the main interstate that takes you straight to Pinehurst and Myrtle Beach. So it couldn't be easier to get to. Awesome. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for your time. Please extend, you know, a, a heartfelt thank you to to Greg as well for coming on and, and just talking about, in my opinion, the most fun course that I've played this year. Well, Dan, it's a pleasure and honor. I appreciate you having us on and so glad we could spend this time together and so glad that you and your boys could come experience it on a on a good day. Uh, I look forward to having you back when everything's green back up and the leaves are on the trees again. And uh, you can just see all the beauty of, of strands and, and full bloom. Um, but appreciate all you're doing for the golf business as well and your pod and you're doing great things and uh, just keep up the good work and we'll continue following along and appreciate your kind words and, and look forward to seeing you again real soon down the road at the farm, buddy. Thank you, sir. And I'm I'm gonna take you up on that. Don't worry about Anytime. that. Anytime. Your family. Your family now, Dan. Your family. Anytime, bud. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick. So the coefficient restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Swannies is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days, but if you're looking for the stretchiest and most lightweight pieces that deliver a look that says I'm here for a good time, take a walk on the Swanee side. With fabric sourced from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own weekend warriors, Swannies is looking out for both our planet and those that need a little style to boost their drive another 15 yards. 
premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.com. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it.